starting this new series, it's, it's, I'm really excited about it. Let, let me say this. If God is for you, who could be against you? Church, rise up. If he overcame the world, so can we. Church, rise up. Here's one. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Church, rise up. You know what? I loved when I went to the Cardinals football games, and and they would say, all right, birdcage or the red team, you know, rise up. This is a season in which we as a body of Christ need to rise up. Did you know that? Easter is only six Sundays away. Wow, Easter's almost here. Then we're going to have, you know, July 4th is going to be here. And and then we're going to have Memorial Day or Labor Day is going to be here. And then we're going to have Christmas coming. Man, welcome to 2022. Uh, Just like that. But this season... Right now, in the midst of the craziness that is all around us, God wants us to rise up. So I want you to stand. Rise up, church. We're going to pray. I want us to be so in tune, ready to hear a word of the Lord that God has for you as individuals. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this season. As chaotic as it is, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, you're calling for a body of Christ to rise up. You're asking us, Lord, to be that light in the darkened world. You're praying, we're praying, Lord, that that you would move in our lives in a very special way. So bring our minds and our hearts up. to focus on what you have to say to us as individuals and as a corporate body. And through this, Lord, let us rise up in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to begin this series, and and I thought I wanted to look at five instances where people were risen from the dead before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that these amazing stories has something to say to us that is powerful, that is, well, going to bring a word into us dealing with the season in which we are living in. So today, let's look at the very first one. It is the occasion, an encounter with Elijah and a widow woman. So we're going to start where this woman went from famine to plenty. And it's in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, and verse 7. So if you don't have, well, you may want to go to your apps if you didn't bring your Bible. You know, some of you are pretending that you're already doing that, and here you're on your Facebook checking out stuff, and that's, that's okay. But, but, but if you like something, if you are, if you like something I said, post it immediately. Do you know what I like about that? Because you're going to look at it and be reminded what I said, and then you're going to have other people look at it, and they're going to comment on it. And that word continues on again and again and again. Let's use it for good. So Elijah was sent to a king to tell him that there was a famine coming into that land. 
And then while he was there, he was sent to another place to be able to have shelter in the water. And then that brook in which he was by, well, it dried up because of the dryness of the famine. And then he was sent to a place called Zarephath. Now, let's go to 1 Kings 17, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Wow, do I, do I ever like that verse, that verse 7? Because it says to us that even in the dryness of a season in our life, there can be a word of the Lord that could come to us. You could be going through the testing of your life, the most dry season of your life, and God says, I want to speak into your life. Listen what the Spirit is saying to the church. And here's what, what I, I really believe, because some people say, well, I just, during those times, it's hard to me to hear from God. Then, well, really isn't. Just open the Word of God and start to read it out loud. Because His Word is His Word, and that is the Word of the Lord, and He will speak into us. Verse, um, verse 9. And at once... And go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, that's intriguing to me. Why would he not direct someone of means? Why would he not give someone who has that opportunity to be able to receive something? I almost got scared during having this big guy walking up here and thinking, I'm in, I'm in trouble. And that, uh, <laughs> he, he's a linebacker, for Pete's sake. He's, you know, and, and so, man, I got a cold sweat real quick. Yeah. And But why would he not send a... a uh, Someone of means, but a widow woman who didn't have anything. In fact, listen to this. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, this is her response. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil, uh, olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. What a place to be. What a sad difficult place to be. She, she has lost her husband, the means of her income. She has used everything that she had in her pantry. And now she's gathering a few sticks. She's going to make a meal, and they're going to wait to starve to death. You want to talk about hopelessness. But I want to tell you something, church, is that there is always hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. There is hope. 
that God is. He's called the blessed hope that he has for us. Let's go to verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. Picture this. Not only bring me some water, but go home, use what you have, which is probably, but she's feeding a man. Use what you have Make that bread, bring it to me, then go back home. What, to go back home to starve? To go back home to make a wee little wafer of some sort? Then go back home and do the same. Now, I want you to know that God's faithful. And, 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 and when he talks to us about the faithfulness in our giving, He's talking to us about, well, give into the house of God first your tithe. The, the, the challenge in, in our lives at times is this, first, I mean, I have this, that, another thing. But I have found over the years that I can never, ever outgive God. God is always Faithful. I said this story before. It bears repeating again. Because when I just started out in the ministry, I was this youth pastor, and I was making. I had now there was my two children, my wife and I, family of four. We is making this rock solid grand total of seventy five dollars a week, and and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And, and I can remember my son praying. He says, Daddy, I'd like to have a, a, a tricycle. And, and I go, I, I can't afford bread than a tricycle. Then, then he goes and he says, well, because I was paying my $7.50 of my tithe of that $75. But he says, I'll pray for it. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, don't pray for it because I can't provide it. Then he's going to think that God doesn't provide. The very next day, a guy got out of his, uh, came out of his uh, garage, and he noticed that there was a tricycle in his garage, and his son outgrew it, and he brought it to my little apartment, my big one-bedroom apartment that we lived in, and he put it on the porch for our son. I opened the door, and there was this tricycle for us. And I looked at it, and my son looked at it, and he was so excited. I thought, he prayed. Then I said, hey, Timmy, pray for a car for Daddy. You know, I mean, this kid's on a roll. You can't outgive God. So here, here we are, for that which the Lord has said, says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain into the, onto the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. See, it, it's more than just speaking faith, it's living faith. 
So there was the food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Now, she didn't say just her son, the woman and her family. So maybe there was other family members that she even provided for. What a testimony that must have been. And for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the uh, the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So we have this situation where God sends Elijah to engage with this woman, this widow woman who's making her last meal, to have this conversation with her. Now, I'm sure it made it a little bit easier because Elijah knew that he, that God had spoken to this woman about him coming, but who would want to go and have a conversation with a woman who is making her last meal and then you're saying, I want you to hold on that last meal. Don't make it for yourself. Make me some bread first. Bring it to me. Then whatever's left over is yours. That would be a tough conversation to have. But God knew that he had something for it because he says, don't be afraid. Here's what I have for you. But I wonder what thoughts that this woman is having when the Lord spoke to her saying, there's this prophet that is coming to your town and I want you to provide for him. And she had to be thinking, God, you've got to be kidding me. And why me? Can't you send him to someone else? What if I don't end up having enough food for myself or for my son? Do you ever wonder why God would challenge our faith and our trust in such powerful ways? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been there that he challenged you that way? It's bad enough that the situation was so threatening. And it was at that point that if she did this, there was no more reliance on anything that she had. There was a total reliance on God. I think, I really think that the best place that we could ever be is that when we run out of everything that we rely upon and our total dependence is upon God, and then we see how God is able to work within our lives. One of my favorite books is Experiencing God. It's by Henry um, um, Blackaby. And he wrote, encounters with God are God-sized. Well, I think any encounter with God is huge. But for this widow woman, it really had to be God-sized. And, 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 and when we have those encounters with God, it's those encounters where we have to depend on him because he wouldn't have an encounter with us if he knew that we were able to provide by our own means. So what's the purpose for God showing up? So God, when he shows up, they're God-sized. And the truth of the matter is what he wants to do is that he wants to raise the bar higher in our lives because he wants to take us somewhere where we never dreamt that we could possibly be. Now, this may not be something that you want to hear, but I want you to know that when you come to that place, that it's going to require more than anything that you have. So this widow woman had this encounter with God and Elijah. 
And even though there was a drought, she turned to get the water for this stranger. Then she explains the situation. Now, <laughs> I, I believe that, that as this woman, she explained the situation. She wasn't telling him no. She was just clarifying where she is. And I really believe that the tone of her voice in her body language was much more strong than the actual words. And if, if she was a politician, I think she would, would start that conversation off like this. Let me be clear. Now, I don't know if you've heard that a few times this past several, well, a couple of years, actually. Let me be clear. And she was very clear about her situation. But this is to be a test of her faith and her devotion. Yet the test was really challenging in dealing with her child's life. And I don't think any parent would ever want to be in that situation. Why would she do as God has commanded and, and then have the conclusion that, well, this could cost my son's life. She could have said, this is absolutely impossible. She could have easily said, listen, I don't have it, and it's going to put my son at risk. You need to go somewhere else and have, who has more than just barely enough. But what she was doing, she was just clarifying, you understand the situation here? Sometimes it's not that she wanted the prophet to know, or is the idea that she wanted God to know because they both knew. Times we need to be clarified, here's my situation, and it's okay to talk to God about it. Because when I understand the difficult of that situation, then I'm going to understand when God does something magnificent, what he did through that difficult time, God provided. God provided that, that uh, bread, well, that flour and that oil to last until that famine was totally done. But that's not the end of the story. Now, this widow is experiencing that joy of great victory, and then it turns into that anguish of sorrow. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the widow who had owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. The... Some versions saying it was a really difficult death, a pretty painful death what happened, and he stopped breathing. And then she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? I can understand why her emotions were so big. And you're thinking, yeah, but didn't God provide? Now, we know that, well, through studies that this could have been two years that she was living in this, this situation. It was very comfortable. God was providing for her. But all of a sudden, this boy's life is taken away. Prior to this, during that time of famine, what was happening is that she had this, uh, understood the whole um, situation was happening. There was a famine. 
There was no more food. They were preparing for their last meal, and they were about to die. She knew the scenario very well. But this situation here is that her son was taken from her. Now, what happens at times is the shock of this was, well, she's living very comfortable. Two years now, they say, that she was living with God's provision. But you know what happens? We make the mistake is that when everything is going right, when we are serving God, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, and then all of a sudden everything turns, we're shocked because we think it's going to be, well, that easy road all the way, that comfort in which we had all the time. I was told before the first service that a comfort zone is beautiful, but it doesn't produce anything. Wow. Then before this service, I was told comfort is the enemy of growth. Sometimes we feel that we want to be comfortable and then we're comfortable and then God is everything good. God loves me. Life is, you know, just grand. But when it's not, we're thinking something is wrong. I can remember when, when, when I just moved here 21 years ago. And 21 years ago that I was called to go to a, one of the district officials' houses. There was some um, uh, missionaries there. There were some regional directors of the mission field was there. And there was the, the head of the Arizona um, uh, district was there. I was the only local pastor was there. They were talking about the great things that God wanted to do in the world of missions. When I was driving home, I asked myself, well, I really asked the Lord, I says, Lord, uh, well, that was strange for me. I was with all these higher-ups in the ministry. And I said, Lord, when am I ever going to be comfortable with that? And here's what the Lord spoke in my heart. He says, where I'm taking you, you will never be comfortable. And you see, the work of the kingdom is not always easy. And it's not always comfortable. But it's where God has placed you to do the work of the kingdom. Because that's when we're always storming the gates of hell. Because it will not prevail. So this woman has this emotion that has come upon her. Her son dies. And then she cries out, is that, what is it that you have against me? She wants to blame that prophet why are you doing this? And do you want to bring up my sins now that you, since my sins are so revealed that you are going to take my son in that place? Sometimes what Satan wants to do is that when things aren't going right, he wants you to look at every area of your life and blame you. 
you brought this on yourself. It was because of you. It is because back in 1997, you did this or that or another thing. Is that he wants to attack your life. But I want you to know, family of God, when you've asked Jesus Christ into your life, all that is washed away. It is never to bring back to a remembrance of him again. It is Satan trying to put that burden upon you because he wants to paralyze you from moving forward. What is it that I have done? But the truth of the matter, that is not always what we have done. You know the story of Job. What did Job do? It wasn't anything that he was doing. In fact, it was because of his great faith and his walk and trust in God that God knew that he would be able to stand strong for the glory of God. The disciples made the mistake when they came across a man who was blind from birth. They asked Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? That, was, that he was blind. And Jesus said, neither, but for the glory of God. And here's the thing that I want us to understand is that God wants to use our situations where we are for his glory. There are times when even in the midst of God's great blessings in our lives, that something happens and then just as, well, we, we look at that and saying, this does not make any sense. Then we ask, what are you doing, God? Have you ever asked that? Or maybe I would say, have you ever not asked that? Listen to verse 19. Give me your son. Elijah replied, he took him from the arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. Then he called out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even to this widow that I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Elijah was confused. If, if that great prophet was confused, can you imagine the confusion in this woman? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life be returned. Here's a man who has a proven ministry. His ministry was, was well, the things that he asked God to do, and, well, God asked him to do, and every single time God proven faithful in his life. Yet Elijah was confused. Why would you do this? I, I, I believe that, that if I was Elijah, I would be saying, I don't understand this. You sent me to this widow and her son, and you show yourself to them in the miraculous ways. You have me stay at her home, minister out her home, and into her home. Don't you realize that this could dismantle everything that we have ever done in this woman's life? I don't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. 
Sometimes what's going on in our lives, we just don't get. But what God is saying, I want you to remain faithful. I want you to trust me in what you are doing. You see, what, 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 what Elijah did is that he picked his boy up, took him to the, that room in which he was in, in the second floor, and, well, I think he did that, one, out of respect for God because he was going to question him. And he didn't want to bring any more trauma into this woman's life. If this prophet didn't know, how much more confusing would this woman be? And then he wanted to protect her from what was about to happen and what she might be seeing. Because if it didn't work, then what? So what we see is, well, Elijah still followed through. He took this boy up to this room. He laid him on the bed. Now, he may not have known what God would do, but he believed in what God could do. Could we? You see that? He may not have known what God would do, but he believed in what God could do. Maybe you need to get your phones out and take a picture of that. Because, you know, what God's going to do. He doesn't always inform me on asking me, is this okay that I do this? But I do know this is what God can do. All things are possible through him. So even though Elijah was confused, He asked God and asked God why. He still had the faith to act upon his trust in what God is able to do. So think with me for a moment. He he takes this boy and he lays him on the bed. And then he had the prompting to lay on top of him. He, He had to be thinking, you want me to do what? Because there has never been a resurrection in the Bible up until that time. No one has ever been brought brought back to uh, life. So there was no pattern. There was no template in the Bible. There was no way that he could refer back to. He's playing everything by ear, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, by God in his life. And he says, lay upon this boy. And he says, are you, he had to be thinking, are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. And not only once, but three times. Can you imagine the obedience in doing something like this? The faith that it took to even act upon it and the persistence to do it three times. And I'm sure that as he laid on him one time and he prayed and nothing happened, he had to say, okay, this is just not working. Am I doing this wrong? This is ridiculous. Then I believe, though, that the first time that he prayed, he says he had to be asking, what are you doing, God? The second time when he prayed, he says, okay, okay, I believe that you could do this, but nothing so happened. And then the third time, God shows up. See, when we're confused about what God is doing, we need to stay faithful. I don't always have to understand everything. 
God reveal, will reveal himself in due time. But I need to stay faithful. And I want you to understand something, family of God. In the season in which we are living in, we don't always understand what God is doing, what's going on in our lives, what's happening in our families and happening in the world around us. Is that it's confusing enough. But I need to stay faithful in saying, God, I am trusting you in what you desire to do. Now, here's where God shows up on this situation. It's in 1 Kings 17.22. The Lord heard Elijah cry. And the, body's life, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child, and he carried him down from the room into the house. What a time that must have been. And he gave him to the mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are the man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now I know. Didn't she know before? Well, bringing her son back to life really puts an exclamation mark on it. Now she understands that God is faithful. There's times, my friend, I don't always understand what is going on and what's going to happen. But I do know this, that God loves us. God knows what is best for us. And I need, I must trust in what he's doing, even though it is a difficult situation that we are in. We are living in a crazy world around us. It's, it's difficult enough to be able to deal with the issues that is close to us. But I got to watch, I watched the evening news and I want you to know something, church. I am sick and tired and people tell me how many people died today. I'm, I'm fed up to that and they have to remind me of that again and again and again. And I believe that God has called us to speak life, not to speak death. God has called us to live in the fullness of his presence and life. And and he wants us to know that he is faithful in all that he could do in our lives. So I look at this and I ask you and I ask myself, now what do I do with this? How does this story affect my life? We have a story like this to show us that God is unbelievable ability to do what he wants to do in our lives. Will we, well, will we allow it to strengthen our lives? Will we allow it to motivate us to trust in him as Elijah did? Will we, or will we have doubt? But you may be saying, well, pastor, I trusted in him. Everything was going well for me. But it didn't work out. I I really trusted that, well, I'm not Elijah and I'm not this widow woman. And it just didn't work out. But here's, it didn't go my way. But here's what you're actually saying. It didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. 
It doesn't mean that God couldn't do it, what you wanted. <laughs> it just means that he did. And, I, and the question that I ask sometimes is, why not? I've been in a ministry for 47 years. I've been a part of people's lives and seen the faithfulness of God again and again in multitudes of thousands of people's lives. I have a birthday coming up on Friday and I'm turning 73. I would think that I have some maturity, some understanding of what God is doing. So my answer to that question is, why didn't it work out? Well, with all my experience as a pastor, my answer to this is, I'm not sure. But this I do know. God knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows what is best for our lives. And he desires to do something that is mighty and great in our lives if we will continue to trust him. My question then is, what do I do with this? Will I trust him through all this? Here's a statement that I came across. This is said, it's easier said than done, but better done than not. Can I repeat that? It's easier said than done, but better done than not. Life can be challenging. And moving forward in trusting in God can be the most difficult time in our lives. But when we do that, my friend, God can turn that into the most incredible experience that you've ever dreamt that was possible because he's faithful. He never gives up. He never loses. He knows exactly what he's doing in our lives. And it's to bring glory to his name and blessings into your life. So when I say rise up, that word resurrection, it means to often risen from the dead, to bring back to life. But the word also means to revive and to restore. And perhaps there is something in your life that you are going through that you need to be brought back to life. Because the circumstances in which we are living in today, if I pay attention to all that, the only thing that I'm going to see is hopelessness. The only thing that I'm going to feel is death, dryness. But when I focus on God's word and what is possible and all things are possible in him, that he could restore, he could make new. His word says that he made, well... He restored that which the locusts have eaten. He said he brought a rose to bloom in the desert. That what is it that you need restored in the dryness of this season in which we are living in? Is it your faith? 
Is it your trust? Is it your hope? Do you, what about your joy, your love, your passion, your zeal? Maybe it's your spiritual life. But here's what I do know. Is that God is faithful. And he's saying to the body of Christ in this season of dryness in the world in which we're living in. He says, I'm calling for the church to rise up. I'm calling for the family of God to rise up. Because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the resurrection and the life. He is able to do that what his word has promised to do. He is faithful. We could trust him in every situation in our life. And I want you to know, family of God, is that there is nothing like it. When you're able to walk through that storm, that shadow of death could be upon us. But I want you to know it's only a shadow. He is faithful to take us through it. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When they were thrown into that fiery furnace, their arms and hands were bound in rope. They were there. They were probably on the floor laying, crowded in a, in a fetal position, waiting for the flames to burn them alive. But all of a sudden, they felt nothing. And then they realized that there was nothing bounding them. Their hands were free. Their feet were free. I don't think they stared just laid there. I think they rose up. I think they started to walk around and look. I believe they started to jump around and dance around that flames realizing that it had no authority in their lives. This world has no authority in your life. This word of God has that authority in your life. And when he says to you that all things are possible, he meant it. When he says that I will never leave you or forsake you, he meant it. When he says that I am with you always, even to the ends of the world, he meant it. So when his word tells us that he is there, I say to the body of Christ, rise up because he is here. Rise up for what God wants to do in your life. Rise up, family of God, because there's a world out there that needs to see that the body of Christ is alive and it's well with your spirit.